My name is Pastor Marcelo. I'm the middle school pastor here at this amazing church, and it is my privilege and my honor to be with you guys here this morning. Before we get into our message, I just want to introduce myself to you. I'm 21 years old. I'm married to the most beautiful girl in the entire world, Miss Danica. She's also on staff here at our church. You probably see her taking pictures around the, around the sanctuary, but she also does amazing things for our social media team. She's super talented, um, and she's amazing, and I'm just so grateful to be your husband. Thank you so much for being here to support. But I've been going to this church since I was a newborn. So I'm 21 years old, so let's do the math. It's 21 years now, right? So I've been going to this church for 21 years. When I turned eight years old, my mom ended up marrying a man named Stuart Davis, which is Pastor Glenn's youngest brother. So growing up, Pastor Glenn was my uncle. He was a great uncle. He was hilarious. He always had my back. He was the kind of uncle where you just always wanted to be around him because he was just so fun. But unfortunately, when I was around 15 years old, Stuart ended up passing away. It was the toughest thing that ever happened in my life, and it led me to um, a very difficult spiral down in my life. But by the grace of God, I'm standing before you here today as a middle school pastor of this amazing church. We're going to get into that story a little bit as we go on. But as crazy as it seems, I am in my dream job right now. There's no place I'd rather be than in the position I am right now. I love the middle schoolers. They're sitting over there. Wave to everybody, middle schoolers. Yes. I love you guys. This is my dream job. You're amazing, and I'm so grateful to be with you. But the most important thing that I want everyone in here to know about me is that I love Jesus with my whole heart. He's radically changed my life. But I wanna go ahead and welcome all those watching online and the women at the Pinellas County Jail. Can we give it up to them? They're watching online right now. You're part of our family. Thank you for watching. If you've been here the past few weeks, you've seen we're in our all-in message series. The first week we talked about I'm invited, that all of us, regardless of our culture, Regardless of our tradition, regardless of our background, we are welcomed into the family of God. Week two, we talked about I'm invaluable, that all of us, every single person was made in the image of God and has intrinsic value. This week, we're talking about I'm influential. I'm influential. So we're going to look at the story of Jesus in his encounter with one of the most unlikely influencers in the history of the world. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray into our message? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to these amazing people, God. Thank you that you are right here in this room, that your spirit is very present, and you are calling people home today, Lord. Let your word fall on hearts that are ready to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm a part of our young adult ministry here at Countryside. It's called 737. It's amazing. We have it every Tuesday night, 737. Give it up for a little, little shout. Yeah, you guys are awesome. But one day about a year ago, uh, uh, this new person, he comes in and his name's Ricky and he introduces himself and we start playing basketball together and we just begin to form like a, a friendship, super humble and nice guy. And then one day, after 7.37, we were with a group of people uh, getting some appetizers. And everyone just keep talking about his YouTube channel. 
And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, he does YouTube on the side. Like, Danica makes YouTube videos, everything. But then they just keep talking about his YouTube channel and his funny videos, and I'm getting confused. So I'm like, all right, let me, let me see this YouTube channel. So they give me the phone, and they have his YouTube channel pulled up, and he has over 3 million subscribers on YouTube. Now, for those of you that don't know, subscribers are people that follow your YouTube channel and look at all the videos that you post. He's influencing over 3 million people and parents. If you have kids that are middle school age, they know who Ricky Ireland is. But I had no idea the type of influence this guy had because he was so humble. You see, influence is a little different than what it used to be. Just not too long ago, the word influencer used to be for someone who was a coach or a parent or a teacher or a pastor or some other type of leader. Right now, if you Google the word influencer, it says an influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. An influencer nowadays is someone who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others. So people like celebrities, music artists, YouTubers, content creators. But I think as a church, it is time for us to reclaim the word influencer. Influencer. Because I truly believe that we are all called to be influencers for Jesus Christ. Yes. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter five. He says, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, Jesus thinks we are all influencers. We are all the light of the world. We are all the salt of the earth. He shifts the way that we think about the word influence. So in your notes, go ahead and open up. The first thing there, it says, the problem with the current view of influence is it starts with platform. It starts with how many followers you have, how many fans you have, how popular you are at school. That's what the current view of influence starts with. But true and lasting influence always starts with people before platform. Starts with people before platform. If we look at the greatest influencer in the world, Jesus, he was more concerned about the individual person than he was about the platform. You see, the religious leaders of that day, they were concerned with their image, how they looked in front of people, the respect that they got, how many people wanted to listen to them. But Jesus went around, he influenced so many people, crowds followed him wherever he went because he cared about the one person. He got down in the dust with the woman caught in the act of adultery, made part of himself part of her mess because he cared about the person, he cared about the one, and we all have people in our sphere of influence that God has called us to reach. So I wanna go ahead and bring you guys back a little bit to just explore how someone like me, a regular person like me, became a pastor. My mom, she's here today, she grew up around here in Clearwater. 
She grew up in the projects. It was called Conan Gardens right here in Clearwater. And she used to, you know, it's very difficult for her to get groceries and food for her family. So she would go to this food pantry locally that was called Helping Hands, which is Countryside's food pantry here. They would give her food every single week for her family. And there's a nice older man named Clayton Davis sitting there giving her her number for food. And he begins to tell my mom at just 11 years old about who Jesus is and how he died for her sins. And Clayton Davis led my mom in the sinner's prayer right there in helping hands when she was 11 years old. It's influence. It's influence. Not only that, but she got into our youth group here at Countryside when she was in middle school. And the youth pastor, the middle school pastor at that time was Pastor Glenn Davis. And he pastored her every single week. She grew up a little bit and, and then I was born and I was born into this, into this church as a newborn and she was a single mother. It was very difficult for her to provide for me and my sister. She was scrubbing toilets just to provide enough food for groceries and money. But this church always came through for her. People like you guys always gave her what she needed to get through. I can remember one Christmas. Christmas was, it wasn't like the Christmases that other, that other kids had. It was difficult for us to get the gifts that we wanted. But I remember one Christmas that I'll never forget. I woke up and I went out into my living room and my entire living room was full of gifts. Because someone at Countryside, an anonymous donor, I don't know who this person is to this day, bought me and my sister all the Christmas gifts we could ever want. That's called influence. Someone had influence on me before I could do anything for them. My mom told me this story a couple weeks ago with tears in her eyes. She was in church one day and she had a last $100, the last $100 she had to pay for groceries for us. And she just felt in her spirit that she was supposed to give that money in the offering. So the buckets were being passed by and she puts the last $100 she has in the, in the offering bucket and she's on her way home and she says she's just weeping and crying because she knows that was the last money she had to pay for groceries for me and my little sister. But when we got out of our car, we walked up to our front door and someone without a name put an envelope of cash right there on our front door and that money fed me and my little sister. We still don't know who that person is today, but God is good and he's using people like you to influence people like me. Like I said, when I was eight years old, my mom married an amazing man. His name was Stuart Davis. That guy who led my mom in the sinner's prayer at Helping Hands, Clayton, that was his father. The youth pastor of my mom in middle school, Pastor Glenn, was his older brother. Stuart became my stepdad when I was eight years old. He was an amazing man. If you knew him, you understood that. He always had your back, no questions asked. He was such a huge influence on me. I looked up to him my entire life. I can remember one story. I was, we were living in an apartment complex in Oldsmar, and it was, it was a lower-income apartment complex, so the kids just kind of ran wild and did whatever we wanted. We were out in the apartment complex playing one day, and I did something to one of these kids I don't know, maybe I called him a name. Maybe I punched him in the leg or something like Pastor Tim. I don't know. But I did something to where he was, he was really upset with me. So he went home and he got his dad. And his dad came out with the kid. 
and they're standing off, and I can just hear him say, I want you to go and punch that kid in the face. So this kid, I'm only eight years old, mind you. This kid comes up and just socks me right in the face. And I'm shook. I'm only like eight or nine years old. I don't know what to do. So I ran right home. And I found Stuart. I said, Stuart, this kid punched me in the face. His dad told him to. And I've never seen someone so angry in their entire life. Let me tell you, he got right up, went to the kid's house, and was banging on the door. And let's just say he had a few words uh, with this kid's father. But that's just who he was. He always had my back. He was such a great influence on my life. But unfortunately, when I was 15, he passed away unexpectedly and tragically. And that was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through in my life to this day. It turned my life absolutely upside down. I was missing something in my heart. I was missing an influence that I had growing up. And I can remember just, just falling and spiraling into this depression. And I would, I would begin partying, got caught up in the wrong crowd and drinking and the whole nine yards, living completely in the world. And I knew about Jesus, like I knew who he was, but I, I didn't know him. I didn't have a relationship with him personally. But this amazing church always provided me a place to go on Wednesday nights. Always had a youth group with people like you who are faithfully serving in the youth group, giving of your time and your finances to provide a place for hurting, broken teenage kids like me to come where I knew I would have a loving face, I'd have a smile there ready to greet me every single Wednesday night no matter what I was going through in my past. And the best thing about this youth group is they did this camp every single summer. Now camp was amazing. No matter how far away from God I was, I always wanted to go to youth camp. And I can remember my senior year of high school, my last opportunity to go to youth camp. I'm like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go this year. It's gonna be so fun. And something amazing about this camp is that these people who I didn't really know, they were called, they were named the Calverts, right? And they would ride their bikes up and down the state of Florida to raise money for kids like me to go to this camp. They had no idea who I was. I had no idea who they were, but their influence provided a way for me to go to camp. And I went to camp for my last year, and I had a, a just an amazing time, and I noticed that I was missing something in my soul. And I gave my life to Jesus at that camp, and my life has never been the same. Never been the same. Immediately, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was filled with passion and fire for my heart with him. It was something like I never felt before in my entire life. I ended up separating myself from the friend group that I used to hang out with, and I would spend a lot of time alone in my room reading the word of God, reading about this guy named Jesus, watching sermon clips on repeat because I could not get enough of this Jesus that I heard about in the Bible. You see, my life was never the same because someone took the time to have an influence on me. I started serving in our middle school ministry as a volunteer twice a week. And Pastor Glenn, one week, he texted me. He's like, hey, I'm having this, this group at my house. We're going to give you guys some food. Would you want to come? And I'm like, well, I don't have any friends. I'm not doing anything else, so I guess I'll come. And I went to what was the beginning of 737, and at that place, I met my beautiful wife, Danica, and she's been such an important part of my life, and I want to tell you a quick little story about, about her, and just look at the boldness of this, of this girl. So we're dating, uh, we're not engaged, we're not married, and she's kind of nervous, and she's sitting next to me, and 
I can tell she's nervous and she kind of looks at me and is about to say something and then pulls back. I'm kind of like, you got something to say, you got to tell me. Has it ever happened to you? Someone's going to go say something and they kind of don't. It's like, I know you have something to say. Now you have to tell me. So she's like, okay, I really don't want to, but I'll tell you. She's like, I had this vision or dream that you were on stage preaching on a Sunday morning and you were talking about me as your wife. Now, (laughs) I mean, I'm like, I'm lucky if you stay with me for another week, let alone be my wife. But second of all, I'm definitely not going to be a pastor. That is nothing, like, I've never even considered that at all. But then two weeks later, a friend who I haven't talked to in years, literally two years, he sent me a text. He said, hey, I had this really weird dream last night. I had a dream that you were on stage and you were a pastor. I'm like, there's no way, there is absolutely no way that is happening at all. That's not even a possibility. So I continued my life. I kind of put that on the back burner and I became uh, an insurance agent. I know, super riveting and exciting. But um, I became the youngest insurance agent in the nation at 18 years old. I got my license. I was on the up and up. I was in a corporate world making good money. And then I just, I was like, serving in the middle school ministry, and there's just something that I just didn't have. And one day, Pastor Glenn gives me a call, and I was at my job in downtown St. Pete, and I walk out of the office, and I'm in an alleyway, and I'm talking to him, and he's like, man, you know, I just see how God has changed your life so much. You're, you're like a whole new person, and I see you've been faithful in the middle school ministry for two years, going twice a week, spending your time volunteering, and we have an opening for a middle school pastor, and I was wondering if you would want to do that. And right there, I understood what God was doing. Right there, I made the decision to be what God has called me to be and to be a middle school pastor, and I'm not looking back. And I've loved every single minute of it. I've loved every single minute of it. You see, I'm not here today because of anything special that I did. There's nothing special that I did that got me here. I'm here Because God met me where I was, he drew me out of my lifestyle, revealed himself to me, put a fire in my soul for him. I'm here because faithful people like you at Countryside gave of your finances, gave of your time to influence people like me. It is all about influence. I'm here because the Calverts rode their bike up and down the state of Florida to raise money for kids to go to camp. I'm here because Pastor Glenn wanted to send me an invite to a young adult group. I'm here because my friend and my wife had the boldness to share a dream when we were still dating that I was gonna be her husband, I was gonna be a pastor. I'm here because my parents prayed for me every single day. You see, influence isn't always instant. Influence isn't always obvious. The people in my past didn't understand the impact they were having on me. The youth leaders at our youth group every Wednesday night probably thought they were making no difference in my life. But just because you don't see the harvest doesn't mean that a seed didn't take root. Just because you don't see a harvest does not mean that a seed didn't take root. We have no idea how one word of encouragement, one conversation, one expression of love might change someone's life forever. So what we're going to do now together is we're going to go to the story of Jesus in John chapter 4. It'll be in your weekend guide. 
and look at his encounter with one of the most unlikely influencers in the history of the world. So a little context before we jump in. Jesus is on a trip to Galilee, and he has to pass through this place called Samaria. Now, if you've been in church for a little while, you know that the Jewish people hated the Samaritan people. They wanted nothing to do with them. They wouldn't talk to them. The Jewish people thought the Samaritan people were worse than dogs and less than human. But Jesus is a little different. He's not like the ordinary Jewish man. So he's passing through Samaria, and the Bible says that he sits down by a well to rest at noon during the hottest part of the day. And the Samaritan woman comes up to the well to draw some water. Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. That's where we pick up in verse nine. It says, the woman was surprised. For Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I would give you living water. You see, this woman was completely confused why a Jewish man was even speaking to her, why she was even on his radar. Because normally they would have nothing, he'd probably turn his back and just walk right away from her, but he didn't. So she goes, you know, you don't have a bucket and this well is like super deep. How are you gonna get this living water that you speak of? In verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. At this moment, she begins to realize her need. She begins to realize what she's missing. She's missing something. So she says, please, I want this living water. In verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So Jesus is not only talking to a Samaritan, but this is an immoral woman in the eyes of society, right? She's marginalized. She's probably a social outcast. This was unthinkable in those days. To have five husbands and to be uh, living with someone who you weren't married to, this was absolutely unthinkable. But the amazing thing about Jesus is he's not like everybody else. He takes the time to change the one. She wasn't out there looking for Jesus at this well. She was going about her day-to-day -day business, going to draw water. She wasn't out there looking for a savior, but Jesus met her where she was, and Jesus met me where I was. I wasn't looking for Jesus as a teenager. I just wasn't. But he met me where I was, and he used people like you guys to do it. You see, we don't know why she was living the life that she lived. Maybe she didn't have a father figure growing up to protect her and to provide for her. Maybe she was abused, or maybe she got caught up in the wrong crowd and just set her life spiraling down. We know that she had 
a history, as many of us do as well. She was a social outcast. That's why she went to this other water source at the hottest part of the day because she knew the other women would be there and they'd probably marginalize her, turn their back on her, talk bad about her. She didn't want to be judged by those people. And I know that there are people here today where you don't exactly know why you're here in church. Maybe you feel the same way as that woman. You feel a little judged. You feel a little critiqued. You feel a little marginalized. Maybe you don't know why you're here at all. The reason why you're here is because Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of your current lifestyle, in the middle of your current circumstance. At the well, it starts to dawn on this woman that she heard of a savior, that he'd be doing miracles, he'd be filled with love. Why would a Jewish man offer me living water? She tells you, she's like, I know that there's this Messiah coming and everything's gonna make sense when, when he comes. And Jesus does something extraordinary. He reveals who he is to her. He says, I am that Messiah. I am that Messiah. Verse 28, the woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the villages to see him. This messed up, hurting, broken, immoral woman became an instant influencer for the name of Jesus. That's what God does with us. Now I want you to look at this. Did Jesus turn to her and say, you know, you must become a nun before you tell anybody about me? No, he didn't. See, we don't have to have our life all together to influence someone for Christ. We don't have to. God is the one who draws people to himself. We are his hands and feet. He wants to live through us. So while this woman is out witnessing, telling this entire town about this Messiah, the disciples show back up with some food for Jesus and he begins to tell them, listen, the fields are ripe for harvest. There are souls ready to hear the good news about Jesus, that he's coming back, that his kingdom's gonna come, and we need laborers to go out and to reap the harvest. You're gonna reap seeds that you did not sow. The fields are ripe for harvest. In verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. You see, this whole town of, this whole people, these Samaritan people who are marginalized, forgot about, turned their back on by the Jewish people of the day, the Bible says that many of them believed in Jesus because of the influence of one woman, of one immoral woman, one social outcast who met Jesus and her life was instantly changed. She became one of the most unlikely influencers in the history of the world. Who did God use? Did he use a celebrity? Did he use a respected leader in the town? Did he use one of those real housewives of Jerusalem that Pastor Glenn talked about? No. He used a woman whose name we don't even know, searching for love in all the wrong places. See, we don't have to have our life all together to influence someone for Jesus. 
I can guarantee you when I got saved, I did not have my life all together. That is for sure. But I was so on fire for God, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help but tell people about him. I couldn't help but post on my Facebook page how good God is, share scripture verses, share the sermon clips that I was watching. I'm sure people were extremely annoyed with me. I can guarantee you they probably were. But I can remember one day my friend, actually this was one of my friends that I had to separate myself from in high school. He texted me, he said, hey, I'm in town. I was in China for a semester studying abroad. Uh, I'm in town, would you like to go get some lunch? So I'm like, sure, let's, let's go get some lunch. So we go to Chipotle and I end up paying for his meal. It's only $8, it's really nothing special, but that just kind of opened him up a little bit. And we're sitting down together and you know, you can just tell he's, 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 there's something going on. And he begins to tell me how, how awful this world is and look at all these wars and these disasters and it just seems like there's no hope. And immediately I just feel like, man, I need to share the good news of Jesus. So I begin to tell him about Jesus, how he changed my life, how he's coming back soon, how he, he offers freedom and grace to anyone who would call in his name. And as I begin to tell him about Jesus and the coming kingdom of God, his eyes begin to widen like I've never seen before. And he says, do you mind if I come to church with you this Sunday? I'm like, of course, come on. So we went to church and Pastor Glenn did his salvation message and I did something I'm not supposed to do. I kind of opened my eyes and peeked a little bit. And um, I saw that he raised his hand and he gave his life to Jesus and man, I thought I was bad. He was even more crazy for Jesus than I was. The fire in his heart was just going. There was nothing that we could do to hold him back. He was, he was telling everybody about Jesus. He wanted to go to church with me at every chance he got. We would go to 737, our young adults, on Sunday morning. He was, he was feeling it. And actually, he went to college at UCF and he started his own college group in his dorm where he ministers to college-age students and young adults every single week. Right now, he's raising money to be a missionary in Germany to spend a semester telling people about the good news of Jesus. And not only that, but he's honestly one of the smartest people that I know. And he's studying political science right now at UCF. He's gonna be a politician so he can change uh, the government for the name of Jesus Christ. You see, it honestly has nothing to do with me. It's, it's not about me at all. It's not about us. It's about God drawing people to himself. He loves us. He loves every single one of us. All I did was I was obedient. I'll pay an $8 meal. That's nothing to open a door, to share the gospel with him. You see, when we listen to someone who's hurting, we offer to pray for them, we're being an influencer for Christ. When we invite someone to church, we're being an influencer for Christ. When we text somebody an encouraging word or a Bible verse, we're being an influencer for Christ. When we share a sermon clip on our Facebook page, we're being an influencer for Christ. When we give something to someone in need, we're being an influencer for Jesus. You see, the people in our life are waiting for us to be bold about the name of Jesus. There are youth here in this church who need a mentor. They need someone to look up to because they're not getting the love that they need at home. 
There are single mothers in our congregation right now who need help paying the bills, who need help with groceries. You see, we all have a different sphere of influence in our life. We all have different people we work with, different people who are in our family, and God has called us to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to share the good news boldly with those people around us. God has entrusted them to us. So I want you guys to imagine with me a world where every single one of us here in this place took one step of faith to influence someone for Jesus. Imagine how many people would be here if we took one step to send an encouraging word, to pay for somebody's meal. I can guarantee you our community will never be the same because we have no idea how much one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love might change someone's life forever. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray out today? Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are here with us, God. Thank you that you are revealing yourself to people in this room right now, that you are drawing people home. You are drawing people to eternity right now. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you, to know that you are coming back soon. We love you, God. We thank you that you are here in this place with us. With everyone's head bowed and eyes still closed, I know that there are people here in this room who feel like they're being drawn to Jesus right now. I want you to know that has nothing to do with anything I've said. It's because God is drawing you to himself. The Bible says that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. God put on flesh and bone, walked this earth, lived the perfect life, never sinned, never gave into temptation one time, sacrificed himself on a cross. And he says, if anyone believes in me, they will be saved. He's raised to life and he wants to give you eternal life in one moment of faith in Jesus. Your life will never be the same. If that's you and you want to receive Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. Ready? One, two, three. Raise it up. I see your hand, and your hand, and yours coming over the middle, and yours, and yours up top. I see your hand here, and yours. Amen. For the sake of those people who are making the decision to give their life to Jesus today, can we all just repeat this prayer after me? Everybody say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I live for you. From here on out, I make you my Lord, my Savior, my God, and my best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for those people who gave their life to Jesus today. That is a miracle. Pastor Tim's going to finish us up with a quick blessing, and I got to do this. Mm. <laughs> Some things don't change. To receive your blessing today, would you stand with me? Wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that wonderful? Before I give you your blessing, I just want the altar prayer team to come to the front and before you leave, please get prayer if you need prayer for any reason, especially if you raised your hand to give your heart to the Lord. I wanna remind all of you that you have an opportunity today for just a little bit to potentially influence somebody's life just like Pastor Marcello's. That bake sale, I know it seems silly, but they're raising money so that the youth can go on a missions trip.
Lives change on missions trips. For the price of, of a cupcake or something, you could have an influence on a young person's life changing and then maybe the world changing. Just saying, get some cupcakes. So if you would raise your hands or raise your heart to receive your blessing, may you be blessed to know the influence that God has planned for your life. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Sunday, everyone.